We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are you feeling after that one? Uh, why couldn't D'Angelo do that in the first three quarters, first four quarters? I mean, I love him. He's an absolute stud. Star. Take that, Magic Johnson. But, man, it just dragged on. Yeah, it was a crazy game. I mean, honestly, I thought the Nets were going to lose in double OT. Damari Carroll hit that shot to tie it up, send it to triple OT. Then you mentioned D'Angelo Russell was just straight fire. Six of six in the third overtime. Carried the Nets to a win, 148-139. Just a crazy game across the board. Even just looking at the box score and seeing the matchup, you're seeing quarter one, two, three, four, and then three overtimes. Crazy way to end before the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, at least we've got that break coming up for some of our guys, but we also do have the most representatives at All-Star Weekend, as we've said before. Um, you know, no Rodion on tonight, no Trevion tonight, so it meant Rondé and Karras uh, were in the starting lineup. So certainly a different look. Um, obviously, it was. I thought we started okay, not great, but we were just given too many easy looks to Cleveland. Um, you know, I think the break just couldn't come soon enough. Seriously, a lot of guys look fatigued. You know who I think actually was fatigued? He did well in triple overtime, but I think D'Angelo Russell starting to get a little fatigued. He's had to carry this team for the last month with Spencer Dinwiddie out, and obviously he's played at an all-star level, playing bigger minutes and doing a lot offensively, probably one of the highest guys in usage rate in the NBA, so I think he'll benefit from the break. But like you mentioned, having four guys at all-star weekend is almost a curse more so than a blessing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, th I think you know they're not going to be necessarily killing themselves. It's just probably the flight, getting there, getting back. Um, and hopefully, you know, after the all we're able to, you know, get some guys healthy. You know, Brodions will definitely be back, you know, because he's going to be playing in the Rising Stars Challenge. Trevion will be back most likely. Jared Dudley hopefully is there soon enough. Um, Spencer Dibbley would play with his left hand if he could, but, you know, <laughs> probably still a few weeks away from him. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with where we're at, Nicky. I mean, if you, you're assessing the All-Star break and you say that, you know, we're one game above 500, I think that most fans would be wholly surprised. I, I know I certainly am, and, and I'll take it any day of the week. 
Yeah, I mean, we probably have the win total a lot of people predicted before the season being general NBA guys. And we're sitting in the sixth seed, one game over 500, a game and a half leave over Charlotte. We're going to be getting guys back. Those teams don't necessarily look like they're on the rise or anything like that. This is probably a tough stretch for the Nets, and hopefully they can bounce back. And obviously, you know, we saw Karis LeVert tonight play 30 minutes, which I thought was a lot. But he looked solid out there again and knocked down a couple threes and had nine assists. Yeah, I, I thought that his game looked pretty composed, Nick. There were some times where, you know, he's still obviously going to be... It, it's it's a long journey for him, but if you're comparing it to other guys coming back from injury, you know, Gordon Hayward's best game of the season following the broken leg that he had came the other night against uh, the Sixers, and it's been like 60 games for him. Karis Levert's three games in, and he already looks very composed. You know, one assist away uh, from a double-double and also seven rebounds, so flirted with that triple-double in only 31 minutes. You know, 5-14 from the field, you know, 2-5 from three. Really good. And when he starts sort of finishing around the rim because he's getting that open space, it's just, you know, those layups just aren't necessarily falling right now. But they'll come. He'll have a few practices. He'll have some rest. But um, obviously very good signs going forward. Um, it's just going to be about the the chemistry between him and D'Lo going forward because, you know, those two with Spencer Deal, when you're our three guys and, you know, if Karras can play the three, obviously plenty of questions, but they're positive things because, you know, of the depth that we do have at our disposal. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they all mesh. Obviously, we didn't necessarily see amazing chemistry to start the season. We'll see what happens when they all get together because it seems like at times all three of those guys are better with the ball in their hands. You know, tonight we saw Karras run a little bit of point guard, which Shabazz struggled at times, and Kenny went with uh, with Lavert running the show. And you saw that chemistry with Jared Allen. That's something I know you pointed out. You did a lot of video breakdowns of that in articles, and it really sticks out. Yeah, it really does. And uh, I think that when we have our depth, it's just – makes things so much easier for us as a team and you know having you know the guys sort of step up into that sort of range you know D'Angelo Russell is was on my top 50 list you know a bit of a sneak peek for the uh, OTD basketball top 50 players I know Corey and I will be debating about that but if he keeps doing this and he's going to be climbing up that list uh, that boy that boy nice yeah no seriously and uh, D'Angelo like it was just, and Richard Jefferson said this on the broadcast, it was just a matter of time before he got hot. And I give him a lot of props for having such a bad night and continuing to shoot and really, you know, closing that game out in the triple overtime. I keep wanting to say the third quarter, but it was the third overtime. So it's just a big game, 36 points, you know, five of 15 from three, you know, eight assists. The only thing I'll say that he was really bad with, and this happened mostly in the first quarter, he was just very careless with the ball. Yeah, there was a couple of times, though, in his defense where some of the guys weren't making the right cuts and such. The Shabazz. Bonus, yeah, the Shabazz one, you know, you got to finish, and RJ pointed out as well, you got to finish that cut. You know, D'Lo is a sensational passer, and it was the perfect pass to him, except Shabazz, you know, faked out to go back to the perimeter. So uh, a couple of them certainly were his. But yeah, seven turnovers is far too much. But, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook's putting up quadruple doubles with 10 turnovers on a nightly basis. So... And and he still remaining incredibly effective and is the top 15 player in this league right now. So, you know, for D'Angelo to have those seven turnovers, we still wouldn't have won this game. He was still plus seven. Um, he was absolutely sensational. And, you know, we got some really nice minutes from, from a heap of other guys as well, despite the fact that it was... It was just a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a rough one to watch. And it just like the overtimes kept continuing. And, you know, this is like the start of my vacation. So I was like, yo, could this game just end? Obviously, I wanted the Nets win. And they finally did end it a win. But it would have been bad if they ended with a loss. But, Jack, we got to talk about your boy, Joe Harris, who's been scorching. I think, what is he, 11 of 12 from three in his last two games? Yeah, he's something like that. He's absolutely killing it. 25 points tonight, 9 and 12. We were talking about this off air a little bit, you know, defenses are sending a lot of attention his way to the point where he's making his teammates better. Yeah, and it's it's generally happening in like those first quarters. 
you know, the the team can't necessarily get anything going and Joe just hits five threes in a quarter. So I thought, oh, all right, cool. Well, as long as we've got Joe doing this and it just opens up everything uh, for everyone else. It just gives you a heap of confidence. And, you know, we talked about it off wax. I think Alan Krabs, you know, return, he's been absolutely great. You know, uh, I think his form as well has probably gone under the radar a little bit, you know, despite the fact that, you know, he hasn't been amazing, but I think his three-point shooting has been very, very good. And, you know, nine free throws for him tonight as well, which is a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, he was, he's been really good. And I think they've both sort of, uh, it's been a bit symbiotic with both of them. They're feeding off each other's energy and, you know, seeing them out there in closing lineups when you need that big three, it just opens up everything. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, you have to be great off ball. You got to switch a couple times, which leads to mismatches sometimes for your bigs or, you know, your guard. So getting Alan Crabb fully in sync and him coming back confident is going to be big for the Nets. Bringing a guy like that off the bench, having two sharp shooters and Joe Harris and Alan Crabb, you know, probably you could argue two of the top 25 three-point shooters in the league, Joe probably being top three this season. Yeah, I would argue Joe is number one, mate. What do you think? <laughs> Come on, get off this one. And if he doesn't win the three-point contest, then it's the Rack's fault. It's not his fault. We all know he's the best. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, Steph will be there and, and, and the rest. But yeah, I think that, you know, 48 minutes for Joe Harris. Uh, I think that we need to sort of marvel at his durability. A lot of the time, he is leading the team in minutes in, in plenty of games. And, you know, because of his shooting and because of how important he is to this system, you know, 9 of 12 from the field. You know, he, he did nail four threes, but still incredibly efficient and just a, a, an absolute bargain with what we've got him. And he's so important to what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. And, you know, he hasn't missed many games himself either. So uh, I think that durability is one thing that Joe Harris has in spades. Yeah, and he's shown he's been able to kind of play through some injuries. You know, a week or two ago, he had that hip injury, and he still kept playing. You mentioned 9 and 12 from the field, and a couple of those shots were really tough layups at the lane where he probably could have got foul calls and didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just one of those things where he, he just just makes the right play. And, you know, I'm glad that I could see the fact that, you know, not a, a heap of turnovers either. So when he is driving and he's making those passes, he's not necessarily getting rid of it. Um, he's just doing some really good things on both ends of the floor. Solid defense. You know, he, he gets blown by a few times, but his strength is still something that um, it, it continues to be a, a, a real, you know, strength of his, for, for lack of a better word. But, you know, he's doing just the, the right things. And, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the fact that DeAndre Russell, it's almost like Joe Harris is going under the radar a little bit. Really is. He's been so consistent. He's been so great. You know, obviously they win that Toronto game. I think we talk about him a little bit more. So props to Joe and just having a huge impact on the court. Jack, who do you want to talk about first, Rondé or Jared Allen? Uh, let's start with Rondé. What'd you think of his game? 17 points, 7 of 10, had a couple crazy finishes in there. Defense was a little bit hot and cold. What'd you think of his game? I thought he was important at times, but he was, you know, negative in plenty of others. And, you know, the plus minus doesn't reflect well on him. Minus 22 in 29 minutes. Um, yeah, that's not great, obviously. But obviously you take the, the stats with what you will. But, you know, the other, the next worst player uh, on either team was, you know, Nick Stauskas at minus 11. Um, and we know, you know, Sauce Castillo, we know about him. So, yeah, I think there was just some timely buckets for Rondé when, you know, he was in the pick and roll and just showed some strength and, you know, some good buckets here and there. But when he was out there, I was just like, you know, I'd rather have an Alan Crabb out there. I'd rather have, you know, D'Angelo Russell out there and just, you know, have guys playing a little bit bigger. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, he's he, he still needed right now when we have Rodion's and Trevion out. But um, in terms of just how he fits schematically, 
unless he can bring that defense up, like you mentioned, Nick, it's um, I, I think that his minutes should be should be trimmed. And obviously, Rodons has been struggling a little bit, but hopefully, you know, the All Star break gives him a time to freshen up. But he's going to be one to watch going forward because, despite the fact that you know he made some key timely buckets, you know, you're not going to be getting 30 minutes plus on a regular occasion if you're minus 22. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a battle between him, Trevion Graham, and Rodions. I want Rodions to continue to start, at least for now, because he brings that extra energy to the starting lineup, which they sometimes need. And obviously, with the All-Star break, like you mentioned, maybe Rodions gets some rest, come back, energize. And Trevion just is a little bit tougher, and I think he's a little bit more fundamentally sound defensively. Rondé's just so sporadic. Like, it's just you really don't know what you're going to get. Even with those layup attempts, it's like 50-50 balls. Like, some of them could have easily rolled out. Yeah, and Trevion can hit the three. Like, that's that's plain and simple. And I think that Rodion's can as well. He hasn't been great of late. But, you know, in terms of what we need, we just need spacing aplenty. And it's just so important for our system. And, you know, Trevion has been hitting of late. And whenever I saw the ball in Rondé's hands and when he took those two threes, I'm just like, why? It just, it's, when he hits them, it's, it's a surprise. And it's a massive surprise. It's not like, you know, uh, comparing to maybe a Marcus Smart, where now his, his form is good. And, you know, he's come around to being a decent three-point shooter. Whereas Rondé, it's almost like, you know, he has to do it because it's just part of what we do. And if he's free on the wing and it's got a corner, then he has to do it. But it almost feels like he can't make the distance after time. He's just shooting, you know, he's not, it just doesn't look right. Um, But yeah, it's one bad three-point shooter. Um, can make a real big difference in this offensive system. Yeah, and I think that really goes through the entire NBA. You look at some of the teams out there, they're really loving to spread the floor. Unless you have somebody who's really dominant inside or mid-range, you're usually, usually electing to play that three-point shooter. And you mentioned Trevion Graham. You know, he's shooting 40% from three this month. Obviously, it's only uh, five or six games, but still, you know, they have to respect him out there. And you mentioned Rodion's, they have to respect him out there too. So Rondé's got to find a way to contribute. It has to be defensively, it has to be rebounding, it has to be those hustle plays like that. That's his best way to get on the court, and we've pretty much been saying that all season. But moving on to Jared Allen, I thought defensively, shot-blocking-wise, great job rim protecting, a couple really good reads. Uh, rebounding, very inconsistent, you know, had some good boards, but then also times in the zone, he just got bodied in there. And then offensively, I felt like he missed a lot of layups tonight. Yeah, it was just one of those sort of games for him. Um, I think Jared Allen was still 12 rebounds. Some of his rebounding tonight I thought was tremendous, and um, six blocks. Like, I think half of them came against Marquise, Chris. He was just blocking him, and probably, like, this, this is one play in one of the OTs. I can't remember. It's all a massive negative blur at this stage, apart from the years <laughs> that Russell's play. Um, he was just blocking like an absolute madman. You know, he, he was just absolutely making it just impossible for the Cavaliers defenders to get anything around that rim. So I think that's why he was out there. But Ed Davis also had three blocks himself. Um, so there was probably a case that could be made for, for Ed being out there a little bit longer. But at the same time, you know, uh, Jared Allen was still plus five and had a double-double, had a steal as well, six blocks. Um, I think that he's still, in terms of what we want going forward, you want him to be out there. He is your future. And you want to give him these sort of, you know, key moments um, to sort of experience going forward so he can reflect on and go, and go okay, I've had these OTs. I've, I've made these mistakes. I've done these right things, done these wrong things. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to lay the screens. This is what I need to get the boards. This is what I need to be a bit more careful, those sort of things. So um, I thought it was a, a good game from Jared Allen and, and much better than Ronda Hollis Jefferson because his rebounding and, and, and defense was just tremendous for, for most of the night. 
Yeah, and I think even with the six blocks, there was a couple plays where I just felt like he made really good reads, and he was in position that just made them shoot bad shots and miss. So, yeah, I thought defensively he was great, but just offensively, I think and some of it is probably fatigue where he could have had a couple of those layups and throw them down. But also it's something we always bring up is, you know, when this kid adds muscle, he's going to be able to finish a little bit easier inside. He's going to be able to rebound easier too. Yeah, and I think he can. It's gonna. It's always a learning process for any young guy when it comes to anything, and he's just gonna develop, you know, through different plays, through different experiences, and you know, with seeing his, the, the the young teammates around him. You know, you've got the foundational guy in D'Angelo Russell for however long he's a Brooklyn Net, and you know Jared Allen as well. It's just like, the the chemistry between those two. I'm liking, and tonight as well, there was some nice chemistry. You know some revisiting that nice chemistry from Karis LeVert as well, some nice pick and roll plays, some wraparounds. It was, it was nice to see. I'd like to see Kenny get uh, Jared Allen involved in a little bit more off-ball action where it sets him up for some oops at the rim, you know, some design plays, because I think now with Joe Harris getting so much attention, they can kind of take advantage of that a little bit more. Yeah, I think that would really open up the floor. And I think it's underrated. I know you've spoken about it a couple of times, Nick, but Jared Allen's a nice passer. He's a really mm. good passer, especially when it comes to kicking out. And he practiced that before the game. You know, we see plenty of the Nets beat guys tweeted out, you know, him sort of catching and then kicking it out to one of the guys. And he's good at that. He never really gets his turnovers on those sort of plays. So um, I, I, would, I would advocate it for, as well. Yeah, it's something we're hoping to see soon. Anybody else you want to talk about, Jack? Um, let's take a look at the box score. You know, Ed Davis is good. Damari Carroll. I, I oh, think yeah. we, we've probably got to mention Damari Carroll and that just... That was... Just, that's hustle plays too, man. Uh, that save was just... It It was probably the turning point for the game because, you know, there was just some double-digit leads happening here and then. And then those sort of hustle plays, like you mentioned, Nick, changed the game. You know, he, he got himself covered in beer, but it was all <laughs> worth it because it really gave us the momentum heading into the second half. And you know, keeping it close despite the fact that we weren't playing our best basketball. But those are the sort of things that win you games. And, you know, he obviously hit that clutch three as well, which was just insane. It was it was a game winner. And, you know, having him out there, it just shows how important he is. And, you know, we've talked about him in the past and, and early in the season about him being a trade candidate. But Demario isn't going anywhere. And he's just so awesome, so important to this team, such a great teammate. And he's just so clutch. Yeah, I think we felt pretty strongly in the offseason that the Nets weren't going to move unless it was a crazy deal. And I know people mentioned buyout, but that never really made sense, especially with the way the Nets season went. So very happy to have Demari along. I'm sure he's going to appreciate the break playing 45 minutes tonight. Probably the most he's played in a long time. Yeah, and we needed him for every single one of them. Every single minute he was out there, you know, he led the team plus minus, plus 15. Um, I'm not the, the strongest advocate for it, but if it's reflective of, of a person's effectiveness or, or ineffectiveness, and in this case, you know, Tamari Carroll and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, their plus minus was reflective of how they sort of were on the floor and how they impacted winning. You know, Tamari Carroll, outside of D'Angelo, was our most important player. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Jack. And Jack, just a quick question. You know, we kind of talked about the depth and the rotations changing. We saw Damari a lot at the four tonight. Do you think we'll see a lot of him off the bench at the four? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, Nick. Um, obviously, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, we, they don't necessarily have any bangers and, and, and the sort of size of them isn't necessarily anything to worry about. Um, I'm sure Damari can do it capably on plenty of nights, but it's all—it's always going to be matchup dependent. Um, so I think that Damari, just having him and having that flexibility to him is just a, a, a real boost for the Nets. And having, you know, obviously there are plenty of people on this Twitter that are just wanting that stretch four. But when you've got, you know, Damari Carroll, Rodion's Kuritz, Trevion Graham, all these guys that can play the four, um, I don't think you necessarily need to 
to revolutionize the wheel in a sense because these guys can do it on occasion. And if, you know, if it's five, 10 minutes a night, so be it. But um, he's just so versatile in his offensive and defensive capabilities. Yeah, and talking to stretch four, you know, I don't think the Nets needed to rush to make a move for this. And we talked about it, it's still a development, uh, developmental year. You know, they're going to make the playoffs most likely. They're going to probably lose, you know, in the first round, hopefully give somebody a tough series. But this year's about development, and there's no point in really wasting an asset for a guy that you probably weren't going to keep around long term anyways. So you can address in the offseason, see what you got with Rodeons, or see what's available in, you know, free agency. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've talked about it at length, and I think we'll probably have to continue to talk about it if it, if it continues to remain a topic. But for now, you know, it, it's we're fine where we are. One game above five hundred. You know, in terms of you know one minor thing that I just think that fans in general and, and of any sport and of and of any sort of pursuit will find something and latch onto it. You know, early in the season it was Coach Kenny and he's, <laughs> you know he's he's coaching and not playing D'Angelo Russell and all these sort of things. Uh, um, whereas now we're in a good spot and we're, we're trying to find things to complain about. Yeah, it was a crappy game, but we still got the win. Um, so, you know, we, we recognize the things we need to do and, you know, the adjustments that need to be made. But you know, just to also appreciate the, the awesomeness of this team right now. Yeah, I think fans aren't appreciating the team in general for where they were just a few years ago before Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson were here. You know, looked like, you know, arguably the worst franchise in the league. No draft picks or anything. Now they have a ton of young guys. They have one all-star in D'Angelo Russell, maybe two fringe all-stars in Karis Silver and Spencer Dinwiddie. So I think you got to look at the positives. And you can't expect them to have an amazing roster in one year. You know, you look at different positions on the team. I think the lead guard position, when you have D'Angelo, you have Dinwiddie, you have Karis Silver. Those are three really good players. And then at the center position, you have Jared Allen and Ed Davis. Then you have two great shooters in Joe Harris and Alan Crabb. You know, you're just filling out the other spots of the team. It just doesn't all happen in the snap of a finger. Yeah, I think the and, and I think a lot of like what we've talked about, Nick, and you know, I think a lot of people we've been hate we've hated on certain players at, at certain times. You know, we gave Trivion Graham plenty of guff, and I know that I was wrong about that. And and I think it's just we need to just continue to recognize where this team is at and how far they've grown. And every player on this roster continues to grow going forward. And you know, if we make moves in the off season, you don't know, get that stretch for or you know whatever we do in the draft, you know, it's all going to be uh, in terms of wanting to benefit and take this team forward. Uh, but I don't think this team is taking any steps back anytime soon. Exactly. They're only getting better, you know, developing. And this has just been a great season. They're already obviously ahead of last year's win total. So I'm just looking forward to it and just positive vibes across the board. I'm now, I'm very happy we could go into the all-star break with a win though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, you know, taking a look at the box for just a random thing. Um, six blocks for Jared Allen. The Cleveland Cavaliers had four total. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. No shot blockers. I mean, they had some crazy guys, and like no 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 disrespect to the Cavs, but Jordan Clarkson dropping forty two is just something that you probably will see once every five years. Colin Sexton had a solid game. He's been a little bit better, but Marquise Chris knocking down three threes. You know, I feel like he always plays well against the Nets. Yeah, I mean, there'd probably be plenty of guys that would be like, "Let's get Marquise Chris. He's just like, <laughs> all we need." Just like, no, dude, you really don't want to type that guy, and I think he's just a a bit of a mess of a player, but. Look good for him. Nine of sixteen from the field, three of six from three. Um, at the at the end of the day, though, you know it doesn't necessarily change anything of where they're at. The the Cavs are are in a rebuilding process, you know, similar to where the Nets have been in the past, and and they're doing all the right things. They're taking on bad money, getting those assets, and that's what you got to do, Jack. I think you nailed it on the head. When you're in that position, you grab the assets, you take some flowers and young players, you see what works out. But Jack, anything else on this game? 
Nothing really, Nick. You know, we could, we don't necessarily, well, the fact that we've spoken about this for as long as we have surprises me because uh, maybe it was just the length of the game. I don't know. Um, yeah. But it was, it was just one of those games which was just back and forth. It was sloppy as hell. You know, it, it, there weren't many highlights in that, you know, in terms of, you know, video to sort of when I do my post-game breakdown, not a lot that I could get away from it, but some good plays, some highlights here and there. And, you know, heading into the all-star break, the Nets are in a great spot. Yeah, they grinded out the win. It was a terrible game. You know, it was sloppy. There was turnovers. There was poor uh, fundamentals, poor uh, reaction, poor communication, just everything across the board. But they grinded out the win, and that's all that really matters. Absolutely. That's all that matters. And, you know, as long as you get the W, we've, we've spoken about that. All that matters at the end of the day, you don't look back and say how you played. It's about how you got the win. It's just as long as the W is there, that's all that matters. And they found a way to win. I think, like, you know, it gets overlooked, obviously, for four quarters. They didn't play great, but they found a way to keep tying the game and force the next overtime. So I, I think they deserve props for that. But, Jack, like you said, this game doesn't really deserve any more talk. So that'll wrap it up. Check us out, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Enjoy all the right, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.